Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined as always by Don Pizzette. Don, how was your new year? Hey, I had a, a pretty good stay-at-home New Year, so no no cool trips or anything like that. But uh, excited to kick off 2021 with our first live podcast of the year. It's a, it's a year we're going into with both fear and optimism, which is a strange feeling. But uh, Daniel, how are you? Which, which, uh, yeah, yeah, which side are you on, yeah. Daniel? I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say, uh, if you thought 2020 was bad, just wait till 2021 says, hold my beer. And so, I, I don't know. I think it's just another year, right? Arbitrary number. I saw a meme about that that said, if you thought 2020 was bad, wait for it to turn 21, and it's le- like <laughs> it's legal to drink. Nice. <laughs> I mean, you're, I'm at the point in my life where, you know, you realize that every year is worse than the last. So. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, just we'll one more there. year closer to death. And and the, the best way to, you know, to show that is for the very first podcast here, uh, I have to speak for the first time to our, our brand new boss. So, that, oh. I mean, that's that's scary and and yet <laughs> maybe the optimistic. last time it could be the last time as well could be my last time on the podcast but uh, we're joining uh, we're joined today by brett shively he's the ceo of aci learning brett how you doing doing great happy new year guys happy new year to you too and you're joining us from from where exactly because i know you're warm sunny of, chicago you're in chicago all right yeah and i remember i wrote down not to talk about football with you because my family is from outside of buffalo so this is a bad oh, game for you. Oh, yeah. Big game this weekend. Go Colts. Eh, not, not too big of a game, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, and I'm fired. Oh, I was just notified via <laughs> yeah. email. That, There's that a I banker's box waiting go. for you at your desk. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and get to know Brett uh, a little bit in our first segment, Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Brett, in our rapid-fire segment, question, question, segment, whatever it's called, I, sure. I will not screw it up one of these days. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of questions we're going to throw at you. You will have approximately one minute to answer each one. You'll see a timer on the screen. If you go too long, then Peter will buzz you. No, he won't. <laughs> Just like that one. That's my well resolution this year. <laughs> so, uh, so let's get started, and Peter's got the first question. All right, I will ask this. Uh, I know the answer to this one um, for the first time, but uh, if you could give us a little bit of an introduction to ACI Learning and and, uh, what ACI is all about. Sure, more than happy to. ACI Learning is the coming together of uh, the organizations formerly known as MISTI, MIS Training Institute, which specializes in uh, audit and IT audit, Uh, LeaderQuest, which specializes in IT certifications and training, and IT Pro TV, uh, which brings a really unique angle on IT training and certifications through a video component as well. Uh, and our purpose really is to uh, train those looking to get into the industry, uh, to further develop those in the industry, and to work with corporations to uh, train their folks. All right. Now, you mentioned LeaderQuest, and they've got physical locations in a number of cities that yeah. many of our listeners are, are probably familiar with. There's a, a good bit of overlap between the certifications that were offered under that name as well as offered under IT Pro TV. So with the merger, what, how are those working together? Sure. Great question. So first of all, people learn differently. Some people want to go on site. Uh, some people uh, prefer to learn online. Uh, some people want a, a rigorous set agenda where they, are, where they are in their seat at a given time through a given time. Others want to do it at their leisure. So bringing these two organizations together allows us really to deliver uh, on-site live training 
uh, virtual live training, uh, virtual uh, at your own pace training, as well as uh, online uh, uh, self-paced training, uh, more around uh, the training aspect of it than certifications. Now, Brett, my question's a little more personal. We'll get to know Brett a little bit. I, I want to know more about your personal journey. Did you start off as uh, in training or did you actually have a technology background? Well, let me preface my answer by saying I don't think anyone grows up saying, hey, uh, I want to spend my life in adult learning. Uh, but a funny thing happens on your way to a profession, you find something that you're really passionate about. Uh, I actually have spent most of my career in uh, training, uh, primarily online, primarily adult, uh, some of it post-secondary higher ed, uh, but most of it really in the training certification, licensure, and uh, continuing education world. Uh, and quite frankly, there's there are very few careers where you can actually stand back and watch the impact of your uh, business, of your professional life on the end users as there is in training uh, and the impact that you have on people's careers. So uh, I'm, I'm curious because the um, the, the pandemic has affected uh, IT Pro TV in, in kind of one way where we saw a little bit of a spike sometimes and people having some more time at the beginning and, and different ways people were handling training. How has this affected ACI with, uh, and LeaderQuest specifically with, with the in-person training? Well, I, I won't put my neck brace on, but we had a little bit of whiplash in March. Uh, won't lie to you about that. We were 95% live on-site instruction in March. Uh, over a two-week period of time, we changed uh, our global delivery from uh, live on-site to 100% uh, live uh, virtual uh, and interestingly continue to receive uh, four and a half to five-star ratings on that delivery uh, as we, over a two-week period of time, quite frankly, did a, 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 the team did a great job putting together a, a meaningful product that uh, our, our uh, end users seem to really enjoy. And I'm curious, Brett, uh, from what I understand, ACI works a lot with veterans as well. Can you tell us kind of about that relationship there with vets? Sure, sure can. Well, as you know, when you leave the military and you're transitioning into uh, uh, the civilian world, uh, you have to take what you learned in the military and, and learn how to apply that to uh, the corporate world or to starting your own business or to whatever career venture you're going into. Uh, and part of that comes down to certifications and I believe as any good learning experience, you get not just the certification and the technical knowledge, but also the uh, knowledge of um, how to engage with others, uh, perhaps in a different environment than you've experienced over the past several years of your professional life. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that we have instructors and our team uh, that work with veterans who have had that same experience and uh, really bring forth a, a meaningful opportunity to transition from military life to civilian life. And nicer bathrooms too, I'm told. <laughs> uh, so last question, uh, TechNATO, great podcast or greatest podcast? Today might just be great, but as a general rule, greatest. Okay, so you're saying you are, you are the difference. I'll, I'll take I, I, I might be the downside. <laughs> All right, that's job security. We have it on tape. Great podcast, he said it. We're, we're good, guys. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and jump to our next segment, uh, which this week we're going to be looking at science and technology news, which is somewhere on this board. Here it is. Nope, that's, there it is. Found it. <laughs> really Stay tuned well. for science and technology. And now, back to the Anchor Desk. And that's us. 
All right, so an article that we're looking at this week uh, is from Engadget.com, and, and the headline here is Epic Games' next headquarters will be, uh, excuse me, will replace a local shopping mall. And this is kind of something that we've we've seen a lot of change in Silicon Valley and tech. You know, you've got, uh, what, what was the big uh, uh, security, or no, Oracle just moved, right, to Texas or Hawaii or something, or? Uh, I, Oracle uh, did just move. I mean, they oh, the, wait, the CEO moved to to Hawaii, but the company's moving to like Texas. Or something. <laughs> that's people, the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's how you do it. But uh, you know, we're kind of seeing a shift in that. So, so Don, you wanted you had some questions for Brett specifically about this. Yeah, you know, uh, so taking over a shopping mall, it, there's some neat ideas here. So, uh, shopping malls across the United States are dying, and they have been for decades. And, and when they when they die, they typically take a large part of the community with them. So, you know, you have the what was it that uh, uh, they have a name for it? Concentric city zone planning or something mm. like that, where there's rings around a mall and like a, a business ring and then a residential ring. And when a mall closes, those rings start to kind of decline, house values go down and so on. So there's a positive to this, like, hey, they're going to take this old empty building and actually turn it into something useful. But it raises a thousand questions for me. Like, you know, how how does a company make a decision like this to say, Hey, we're a a in this case a, a video game company, right? Uh, but there's other companies like Rackspace did it, where they are a hosting company, and they said we're going to move our business offices into this old shopping mall, and they renovated it, they turned it into business office, and they moved into it. Well, that is a massive amount of square feet. This building is over a million square feet, so like, Brett, I know you've been a CEO at, at a couple of different organizations. What what criteria would have to be hit for you to say? I think we should move into a shopping mall. Well, uh, first of all, let me say I'm thrilled that I don't have to go into shopping malls anymore. <laughs> I would far rather order online. Uh, that said, look, I think there are a lot of things as a CEO or or as an executive leadership team you have to take into account right now when you're talking about physical space. Uh, one, if your business is working with everyone working remotely, do you want or need that physical space? Uh, and two, then how much space do you need? Uh, we've seen a, a number of primarily technology companies moving in, not just for the office space, but also for the campus aspect of it, be it a coffee shop, a game room, uh, rest uh, uh, areas in the building. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting uh, as you work with uh, millennials who, who uh, at one time were considered those that, that wanted to, to most mix work and life uh, and now Gen Z, which seems to take that to another level. Um, all, all that said, and, and I don't know if you've read any of the articles uh, and, and kudos uh, uh, to Cary, North Carolina, uh, for finding a use for the shopping mall. Um, but they, they're also looking at an aspect of leveraging it for the community. Uh, it didn't specify what it was, but if you're going to put in a community center, uh, community meeting rooms, um, any number of things, you, you could pretty quickly eat up a million square feet if, if, uh, if it's laid out properly. And I think our, our shopping mall here, like the Sears is now a, um, part of the, the hospital system. So we, you know, we, we've got doctor's yeah. offices in there now and we'll see that changing. Uh, by the way, I looked it up at, uh, the companies I was thinking of are Oracle, uh, Tesla and HP have all moved out of California to Texas or other places like that. Well, yeah. and, and hey, if you can do your job, grab a coffee and get your tires rotated at the same time, 
It's a great place to work. <laughs> How is this a bad plan? <laughs> no, I, I gave the example of Rackspace. Uh, and when I when I heard they moved their headquarters into a shopping mall, I thought, well, hey, they're a hosting company. So they've got data centers. They need tons of room for all that mach- the machines. That made sense. Uh, yeah. A couple of years ago, Ronnie Wong and I had a chance to actually go there and visit them in San Antonio. And I asked about it because we were on the tour and I said, uh, you know, I guess we probably won't get to see any servers because of security. And they said, well, no, you won't get to see any servers because there, there aren't any here. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, this is just, you know, business operations. Wow. So, like, they were using an entire shopping mall just for their support call centers, for their finance department, for their business and operations. You got to have a lot of people working there, huh? And that's what I thought. Like, it's a huge building. You've got to have – what what do you think? Like, just take a JCPenney's. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, though, like, most buildings that are built for business operations typically go up. Whereas malls are built to go out, yeah. and if you're taking over a mall, you're probably getting the same kind of square footage as you would with a building that went up instead of yeah, it was like a medium out. high rise. Yeah. yeah, so it looks huge and it sounds big, and it's I not mean, it optimized for right. for an office. You're, as well. you're, you're reappropriating it for something it. else. Yeah, this is the resurgence of Segway when you're going from the conference room <laughs> yeah. to your office. Yeah. Hey, my kid. I gave my kid a hoverboard for Christmas. They love that thing. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. I wonder if uh, workers' comp would cover rollerblade incidents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do the they mall would. walkers still come in in the morning and, yeah. and walk around Rackspace's yeah. offices? That's what I want to know. Nobody Get told our steps them. In. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brett, I'm I'm curious. Uh, a lot of times, I feel like you know companies would relocate somewhere because that's where the workforce is. Um, but then then again, you'll see people. You know, I've got a lot of friends that work in in tech in like the Seattle area, and they're jumping companies all the time. Or San Francisco, they're changing because there are all those companies there. Is, is this maybe one of the added benefits of moving to a, a, a smaller city and, and getting uh, some big spaces that, you know, you've, you've, it's harder to maybe get people, but once you got them, they're, they're locked in. Yeah. <laughs> Where are they going to go? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, look, I, I think a lot of the uh, pilfering from other companies uh, based upon physical proximity has, has probably gone the way of the dodo bird because we can do so much remotely. For those positions that require you to be physically present, um, Cary, in, or, uh, uh, Cary, North Carolina is a great place to live. Quality of life is fantastic. If I'm spending the same money on a house there or San Francisco, I'm probably going to pick Cary, North Carolina. You could buy a mall in San Francisco <laughs> yeah. yourself for, or in, in <laughs> Cary, North Carolina yeah. for what you could buy. At, yeah, you know, there was a bedroom. guy renting his tent out for 1200 a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one room in the tent. Yeah, one yeah, room in the tent. You shared it. Well, uh, so Brett, uh, it's getting back to, to ACI and kind of what's coming up. Uh, there's really not a lot in terms of conferences and things like that going on right now. But, uh, you know, if people want to find out more about, about ACI in general, where, where's the best place to go? Yeah, so uh, acilearning.com uh, is our website. Uh, lots of good information there. Uh, and if you happen to be in uh, one of our uh, six cities where we have a physical location, stopping by is more than welcomed as well. Uh, while we're not open for live business, we do have someone at the front desk to say hello. Uh, but we would love to share what uh, what we're planning for 2021, which is really going to change the medium of IT training, both online and on site. And uh, you know, our, our our goal is not to compete in the market, but rather to define it. And we look forward to sharing that as we get into the year. Uh, for for those that that might not know, what what are those six cities? Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida, Gainesville, Florida, uh, Denver, Colorado, Colorado Springs, Dallas, Texas, and San Antonio, Texas. 
And we do also have an office in the UK if anyone wants to head over there for a visit once we're allowed to. Yeah, and they'll tell you you can't come in as well right now, I believe. (laughs) But in an accent, which is cool. So that's fun. Well, Brett, thank uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate having you on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys, and thanks for not asking me what's wrong with me. I had prepared a very long <laughs> list. I'll save you some time. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that in the uh, in the segment after this break, but stay tuned, everybody. We've got more Technado coming up right after this quick break. Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Dom Pazette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pazette and thank you so much to Brett for joining us and the fact that we're still on the air after that segment, it's, I think that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah, that's a win for me. So, <laughs> let's go ahead and look at the first uh, news articles of 2021. So, our first one from APNews.com: Slack kicks off 2021 with a global outage, and this kind of came at the worst possible time. It's Monday morning, directly after after this holiday break for everyone. Slack's out for like what three hours, Don? Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty big outage, and you know, anytime a major cloud-hosted service has an outage, it's kind of big news, right? We, we want to know about it. Uh, they haven't released any details on it, but I, I wanted to talk about it today because it's actually highlighting what's been a crazy two months, right? In, in, in the last two months, Microsoft Office 365 had an outage. You had AWS with an outage. Now you've got Slack, like the top-tier highest providers of of cloud services have all had outages in the last two months. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, Google Cloud had one, but no one was on it. Yeah. So Microsoft, yeah, that one, yeah. Microsoft had one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. With uh, oh, with the Office, Office yeah, not just. Yeah. Was that related to to the Azure outage? Uh, that's a, that was a separate thing, right? No, those were separate things. Yeah. Oh, they had two then. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, yeah. This one was Azure, not Microsoft. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Whoa. But technically, it was like an. It, you know, some of the Office three sixty five stuff is hosted. Within using Azure, Azure services, yeah. so it was the authentication piece that was ah. there that caused that one. But uh, I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see what what it is with Slack that yeah. that led to the outage. They haven't released the details. You know, back in the early days, Slack had outages all the time. Yeah, uh, kind of like Twitter. Remember the fail whale? Oh God, yeah. No. Yeah, in, in the early days of Twitter, they would crash all the time, and they what? have this little whale. What's a, what's a Twitter? <laughs> well, there we go. So, uh, in your in your backwoods militia, you this probably don't a, use. They don't use these Twitter things. Actually, what's the from. what's the alternative now? Parlering. Parlor. Is it parlor? Is it parlor? Yeah. Parlor is like the kind of conservative. It's Twitter, a, right? It's it's billed as being like the or like the free speech, uh, a free speech yeah. zone where nothing is barred. It's completely free speech. I've only seen it written. I haven't heard it said. So I, I thought it might be parlay. Which would be the I, French I also word. thought it was parlay at first, and then I keep hearing everybody say parlor. So yeah, that's free speech. I guess it's not it's French. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. I, we, we, we yeah. freedom fries in my house. Don Pizzette. French fries in a trash can with uh, frog legs and stuff. <laughs> Do you remember when everybody was mad at France yeah. and it was don't, don't, oh, yeah. don't stay at the Red Roof Inn? <laughs> the Red Roof Inn. I had to Wait, look that, that one up. It's French? owned by a French that, company. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't no know idea. if it was like named after, like, oh, the famous I mean, Red Roof. I know uh, it's owned by Rob and Chateau. Jill over there in Dallas, but. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. going to go hungry if we don't go to the Red Roof Inn. But. That was a tough time for toast. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Uh, I looked it up. Slack is uh, is hosted with AWS, but you can also have locally, like a, a local hosted Slack, right? I is that not true I don't anymore? think you can. Oh, okay, I, I, I tried Slack it. once. I thought it was dumb. John, is this... <laughs> I know you said the details haven't come out yet. When they come out, will it be Don Pizzette took down Slack to make <laughs> teams look better? <laughs> I don't think uh, taking Slack down would make teams look better. I think that, uh, uh, you know, it takes Slack can do that all by itself. So. <laughs> it takes features to make that happen. Right. I, I have really been amazed, though, and I'll stand by this. Slack, of all companies, really was in the perfect position to become the darling of 2020 mm. and yeah. didn't just across the board didn't. So I have no idea why that happened. It doesn't make any sense to me why they didn't capitalize on the whole work from home movement. Yeah, but some $23 billion acquisition, something like that. And from uh, Salesforce, Salesforce. Yep. Yeah. And they use, they use Google Hangouts for their, their voice calls and stuff. Right. Or do they, is that part of the system now? Cause it used to be, uh, I, I, I know what the, the last time I used Slack, which was probably six or seven months ago, it had built in it had video built in calling. Okay. Yeah. Without, yeah. without a third party. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, more more reason we can't switch. Yep. So we'll revisit that story if they release some details on it. Yeah. It'd be curious to see. Yep. Yeah. And Don talking to Don through one prison glass and one of those phones. <laughs> prison glass. We'll see. All right. Our next article is over at tech.slashdot.org. Brexit deal mentions Netscape browser and Mozilla <laughs> Mail. Well, it's about time. Why is anyone mentioning Netscape browser in the 2020s? So, uh, for us Americans, or you know, if you're in the U.S., yeah. you might not have paid a whole lot of attention to it. But if you're in Europe, you definitely noticed over the uh, over the holiday weeks, Brexit happened. Uh, which you know they they, they passed Finally, that. They've been working years on this ago. for a while. Yeah. yeah. So uh, on New Year's Day, that was officially the first day that the uh, the United Kingdom became a independent sovereign nation again. So they they left the EU. And as part of that, they implemented a trade deal, a trade deal that was being reworked right up until the last moment. So most of us in the public didn't have a chance to look at it. Not that we would have had any feedback anyway. But uh, now that it's out, people are starting to look over the trade deal and reading through it. And there is some bizarre stuff in there. One of the funny parts uh, in there is it indicates that uh, organizations that are performing or exchanging data between the EU and, and UK companies must use, and this is a quote, Modern email software packages, including Outlook, Mozilla Mail, as well as Netscape Communicator 4.x. And the interesting part on this is that uh, Mozilla Mail and Netscape Communicator are no longer even supported. They're both just canceled projects that have been either replaced or, or whatever. You know, Mozilla Mail has been replaced by Thunderbird, <laughs> uh, which... Every time I say Thunderbird, I think of the uh, the liquor. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say the car, but okay. Don's thinking of those cold <laughs> no, nights in no. Detroit. <laughs> yep. In my Thunderbird with a bottle of Thunderbird. Uh, that's right. What's the word? Watching Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. <laughs> so, Listen so, uh, to the fabulous Thunderbirds. So it's led a lot of people to believe that they just did a cut and paste job. Yeah, this is clearly, where did you copy and paste this from? Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, other things they call out, like for a hashing algorithm, they recommend SHA-1 and 1024-bit RSA encryption, both of which have been fully compromised at this point and can be broken very easily. So uh, it is riddled with terminology and technology that would be more appropriate in the year 2000 than mm. today. So uh, it's a mess. Makes you wonder, if it, is this just uh, highlighting the ineptitudes and incompetencies of massive governments or that they're just lazy? I, I feel like it's got to be ineptitude, you know, like <laughs> it, it could be bureaucracy as well. Cause you, you a lot said of red that, tape will mess stuff up. They've been fighting this deal for, for a, a long time. Yeah. Remember they kept talking about what if, what if we have a no deal Brexit, right? Oh yeah. And what's going to happen and it's going to be nuts. Well, if you knew how bad that was going to be, you make a freaking deal, right? <laughs> yeah, That's what you, you do. do. Um, and I think they just pushed it to the last moment, cut and paste job. Well, didn't we mention a couple of years ago where um, there was like a cyber cybersecurity head of some country that had never used a computer? Yeah, it was Japan. Was it Japan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what, what role exactly it was, but it was like a computer role. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, maybe maybe this guy wrote Cybersecurity expert. What computer do you use? I'm sorry, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, honestly, he's probably the most secure person in the whole yeah, country. Yeah, no doubt. Right. <laughs> it's air-gapped. So, uh, Don, you'll have to, to tell me, because I know Netscape Navigator was the browser, right? Yeah. Right. What, what is Netscape Communicator? That was a, a client that they made for a little while. It was an email client. Mm -hmm. So it had like POP3 and IMAP support, and you could check your mail with it. Okay. And uh, I believe it actually had basic chat in it as well. Interesting. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I don't remember when it was supported. Uh, they mentioned on Slashdot that the last major release of Netscape Communicator was in 1997. Whoa. So it has not been around in 23 years. So I just... I, I just, think I got my first modern PC in 96. <laughs> so there you go. There. Yeah, well, it's a modern email software yeah. package for that. Uh, I just took that line and I and I pasted it in, into a search to see if I could find where they had copied and pasted it from. Unfortunately, I found 700 articles oh, mentioning this. this yeah. So uh, <laughs> that won't take a little bit more time, but uh, I'd like to go back into like archive.org and search <laughs> yeah. for that term and see. Uh, where they pulled that I from. will say kudos to Slashdot for going and getting the Netscape Navigator logo, you know, the little oh, dinosaur yeah. Yeah. coming up oh, behind yeah. the N. That was that was a nice little throwback. Make sure to properly represent. And right. is that the Mozilla Mail logo? No, that's, oh, that's, that's just, just the UK. Of, yeah. All right, yeah. That's the, that's the Doctor Who thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the red one. All right. Let's go over to our next article now from theregister.com. New year, new rant. Linus Torvalds rails at Intel for killing the ECC industry. Why do most PCs not support error correcting code? Chipzilla is to blame, says the Linux Don, which I've never heard him <laughs> call that. I expected it just to be, uh, our report from Intel was, screw you, Linus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, personally, I, I think that would be a reasonable response here. Um, you know, so when you buy RAM, it's pretty much been a choice for the last 20 years, whether you're getting ECC RAM or non-ECC RAM. Uh, ECC is error-correcting code, and basically in memory, you know, you're storing a zero or a one. And in most memory, it's either uh, stored as an electric charge or in some forms it can be a magnetic charge, but it's typically just an electrical charge dropped on there. And, you know, if it's positive, you got a one. If it's negative, you got a zero. Or if it's not present, you have a zero. It depends. So... There's this interesting thing that can happen. If there's radiation or cosmic rays, then you can actually have a random bit flip where it's supposed to be a one, but all of a sudden it's a zero or the other way around, right? It's less likely to go the yeah. other way. Well, in those cases, you have a memory error and most software will freak out. 
so you know if you're in Internet Explorer and it cra- well now now I'm using old <laughs> yeah. stuff myself. Yeah. If you're a Netscape navigator, yeah. yeah. If you're hitting you know, Microsoft Edge or Chrome or whatever, you might have a tab crash because it you know, hit some memory address that had the wrong value than what it expected and it freaks out and it drops. Or you might have a VPN tunnel drop because a key calculation failed. And it just rebuilds and you don't even notice. Most people never even notice this stuff happen. Is that what's going on with my Oregon Trail? <laughs> it could be. Or you have dysentery. Yeah, it's probably yeah. dysentery. So yeah, you, you died of bit flipping. So, uh, Cosmic rays. <laughs> to give you an idea of how often this happens, I think it was Intel who said, like... It, for a regular person, it probably happens maybe once a year. Oh, wow. So this is a really infrequent thing. But for massive data centers where you have thousands of servers, then this is a fairly frequent occurrence, right? And ECC memory will check for that and, and fix it. So, you know, it's done in hardware. And, and most people that run large data centers do use ECC, right? Or it's usually an option for them. That it's they an option, do. right? Yeah. But it's more expensive. Right. So you got to pay Dep- extra for depends ECC Depends on memory. if you want that money. Yeah. And there was a quote from one of the Google executives uh, from years back where he had said, somebody had asked him, like, well, what's your only regret? with Google, what's something you would have done differently? And he said, I would have used ECC memory in our servers. Hmm. He said that by they chose to save money and do regular consumer-grade memory and, and roll it out because they figured they could do error correction in software. But he said, if you looked over the last 10 years, they spent thousands of man hours in writing corrective code. They spent and stuff. more money trying to keep it from... They should have just yeah. bought ECC memory. Gotcha. So th- there's some truth in that. But Linus's rant is that Intel should have been working to make ECC affordable so that everybody could have it to stop this one error a year happening. Uh, I, I don't find this a realistic thing. Well, it, realistic or not, his rant was epic. And <laughs> <laughs> he went like he held no punches back. He gave it to Intel with both barrels. Uh, I like how he uh, complained about the marketing. And due to your marketing campaigns, it like basically killed the ECC community and and it's this is all your fault and you know he probably blamed him for the you know what, what was that baby that was stolen back in the 40s or whatever oh the Lindbergh baby yeah Lindbergh uh, baby there you go yeah i heard they were involved chicago in fire that was all intel yeah. <laughs> yeah he says uh and this is linus's quote and yes that was again entirely about the misguided and arse backwards policy of consumers don't need ecc which made uh Made the market for ECC memory go away. He should write children's books. Is it arse backwards? <laughs> arse. Yeah, he did say Scottish. Arse. Uh, He's from Finland. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know what their appropriate yeah. swear word is. I could see. I mean, he's closer <laughs> to England than he is us. So. I thought this was a tinfoil hat segment when you started saying, you know, like, oh, solar flares and they can it's true. flip your bits. Yeah. yeah. Nah, it happens. It, cosmic radiation. You know, they, they, they pass through us every single day. Yeah. Our ozone what? layer yeah. actually, like, filters out most of it. That's why I don't go outside. Yeah. But the, the odds of one hitting a, a spot in your RAM just the right way to flip the bit is really, really unlikely. And so it's it's an area where if well, it's the same price, go ahead and get ECC, but it's not something I'd pay more for. Yeah, and if you're complaining about a consumer you know, saying, oh, everybody should have this stuff, yeah. if I'm going to have it happen once a year, what are the odds that that one time that it happens does something that's like really bad for me? Probably pretty low. Yep. Now, one interesting thing that I learned from this is I minus drinks a lot. <laughs> well, I think we, we knew that one, but uh, uh, Intel has supported ECC memory for a long, long time, and I've right. I've used that in a couple of deployments. Uh, but I didn't realize that AMD did not. And mm. in AMD's newest processors, they were rolling out uh, not official but unofficial support for ECC memory. Hmm. So that was news to me. I, I didn't know that AMD processors didn't previously support that. ECC memory, but apparently they didn't. Yeah, they're like, screw you, ECC memory. Which I guess, you know, Intel has been dominating the server room for so long. Maybe yeah, that made so sense. Didn't, yeah, didn't. I can see that. I can see that. 
now they're like, hey, you got a problem? Yo, I'll solve it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vanilla Ice. Check out the hook. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was just a random. Um, so he was born in Helsinki, Helsinki Finland. Vanilla Ice was? <laughs> yes. <laughs> On Rob December 28th, 1969. <laughs> he does a so van in his name. Just yeah, had a birthday. Right. He's Dutch. Rob Van Winkle? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next... Uh, wow. Our he next. was at uh, Donald Trump's New Year's party. He was. And, like, the, Donald <laughs> left, too. Donald was back he, in, he in, in Washington. Place, yeah. so <laughs> that's what I, I, the article said. Guests were left to be entertained by Rudy Giuliani it and Vanilla be, Ice. It would be kind of funny if Trump was like... You told me if I had a problem, you would solve it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Word to your mother. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, I will stand by the statement. I would be entertained by Rudy Giuliani yeah. and Vanilla Ice. Yeah. <laughs> if you get them on stage together. Yeah. Yes, yeah. A little freestyling, please, Rudy. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Our next article is from TheVerge.com. And like always, I have a full-page ad. Um, <laughs> so scrolling down here. Dell's latest Latitude business laptops add an automated webcam shutter. The Latitude 9420 and 9520 get a video conferencing-friendly upgrade. So uh, you guys were discussing this a little <laughs> bit uh, before the show. So yeah. I, I'd almost like to recreate that conversation, <laughs> Daniel. Yeah. So I, I looked over at Don and said, hey, so if any – it automatically shuts. It's not a physical thing you got to reach over and And we're and saying manipulate. shutting like, like the privacy shut. Right. Yeah. You know how you've got like the little Pony Express uh, filters for your, your webcam – you slide it over, and it's, hey, look, nobody can see anything. This does it automatically. So when you need the camera, it it opens, and you can use the camera. And I thought, so anybody that has control over the computer and requires use of the camera gets use of the camera. And Don was like, yep. And I thought, <laughs> okay, I'm not crazy. This is dumb. <laughs> this is dumb, yeah. Uh, if you've asked yourself the question of why most of these camera covers are manual things, right? They're either stickers or little sliders. Some laptops do have it built in where it's a switch you flip. And a, oh, do you have that? Yeah. Oh, good for you. I don't have that. The, I have the Windows Hello thing, so I don't have oh, that yeah. one. But uh, if you flip the switch, a actual plastic shutter covers the, the camera. Not only that, but on mine, it disables the camera. Like, oh, it, can't, it can't even use it. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. it disables, yeah. The, it disables the, software. the software that runs the hardware. So the cool thing about something low tech like that is it's low tech. It cannot be remotely activated. So you have to manually open that shutter or remove the sticker or slide the little slider, right? You've you got to do it by hand. That's why we don't <laughs> see automatic shutters. And so here's an automatic shutter that's being introduced. Well, how do you control an automatic shutter? With software. Now it can be remotely actuated, right? So if somebody breaks into your computer, they can open up. And the, the joke I made before the show was, Daniel, I got this sweet new front door on my house. <laughs> it stays locked all the time until you walk up to it and then it unlocks. Yeah. Right? So and if you need it, it just opens. Yeah. And you're like, cool. Does it know it's me? Nah, it's no, good. Just no. anybody that needs the door gets the door. Yep. So uh, so hopefully for you, our listeners out there. How a bucket of crack did it take for them to figure that one out? Well, you know, I, I will say, you know, in... I don't want to say in Dell's defense because I'm not I'm not defending what seems to be a, a stupid move, but 99% of people are not cybersecurity experts, and we go, oh, cool, yeah. I don't have to buy that little stick-on thing, perfect. And so, from Dell's perspective, it works. Yeah, I I will say at at a minimum though, you would certainly know if the camera was active or not because I think we talked about that where Apple has the light that lights up when the camera is yeah, on. So is mine. And, and so we said, well, couldn't a hacker just disable the light? But, you know, Apple had wired yeah, it in, so it was kind of tied of to the same thing, power yeah. line. Well, here, 
if the camera was covered, you would at least know the camera wasn't on. And then if it, right. so, you, you would at least know the status of the camera. So there, there's that. There's a little positive. Uh, yeah. So if you can see the camera, the camera can see you. Yes. <laughs> Fact. Got it. That's like saying, I'm going to chain you to my radiator, but I'm going to feed you filet mignon every day. Yeah. yeah, it sounds yeah. nice. It's not too bad. Because <laughs> whenever I'm I changing... Mean, the beatings are probably going to overshadow any of the meat. Well, you I get mean, to, filet mignon is a really good cut. It is good. <laughs> but then you get the meat sweats. Can you get like Bernays sauce? Uh, and, uh... Yeah, yeah you pushing it now. Now you're just pushing it. Crab that's, meat. That's extra from Dell. Yeah. That's <laughs> hey, that's a $1,900 starting price computer, though. You'd think that they would have gotten that. Like somebody would have gone, um... One second. <laughs> and I saw at Target the other day a two-pack of uh, webcam covers for, yeah. I think it was a dollar? I mean, so. <laughs> to me, that kind of goes along with the same lines of the, um, what was the the USB drive that blocks 5G signals or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really do anything, and you're paying for it. It's a little bit better because there's like that one right. redeeming quality it of it. does but... do actually something, but... It's not a lot. Yeah. It's well, not probably. Well, the 5G thing can actually store files. Like how, how much manpower. 128, 128 megabytes. Yeah. <laughs> how much power and effort did it take and money for them to develop this? And now you're paying that price. Yeah. So that you can have a glorified, hey, your camera's on. Although maybe, maybe it didn't cost them much at all because Hopefully it's not, not very complex. So yeah. now they're just kind of bilking people. <laughs> well, but it's a physical thing, right? It's like an actual. Yeah, it's probably yeah, going like to be the a, thing that I breaks mean, on these laptops. So is engineer all that stuff switch. to make sure it's all working. That can yeah, be kind of I guess. And yeah. it's got to open and close thousands right. of times. Right. Yeah, all right. Quality assurance testing mm. and. Well, I don't yeah. think hackers are capable of that. Oh, let's oh, go to our sure. next article from ZDNet.com. <laughs> the green light in your webcam just came on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this article, academics turn RAM into Wi-Fi cards to steal data from air-gapped systems. Okay, so apparently, yes, hackers are good, so never mind. Uh, they can get in there. So you can turn RAM into a Wi-Fi card? How? Sort of. But you would need physical access in the beginning. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so if there's an air gap machine, you, you can't get to it, right? right. You, you have to physically access it. But what they're saying is that, you know, RAM RAM runs at a certain speed. When you buy memory, you know, you, you might buy a 32-gig stick or 64-gig stick, and it'll have a rating on there for what its speed can be. So, like, um, I bought some the other day that was 2666, mm -hmm. right? So that means it could run at 2.6 uh, gigahertz. gigahertz. Yeah, gigahertz at that point. Yeah. Um and that's the frequency it operates at. Well, if you look at your Wi-Fi routers, a lot of them operate at 2.4 gigahertz, or you know, in that range. So memory is actually running at pretty close to the same frequency as, as Wi-Fi. And so what these hackers found was that they could generate certain activity on a system that would create what appeared to be a weak Wi-Fi signal. And that could then be sensed by something else remote. So kind of a, an ingenious way of manipulating the system to send out a signal. Yeah, this is all about like covert data exfiltration. Like like you said, this isn't something uh, you would walk over like, or you would remotely be able to enable onto the system. You would have to have some sort of access to the system. So maybe somebody bridges that gap, installs malware. The malware then can control the RAM in the system, and therefore you could start exfiltrating data. That's the hard part, really, actually the hard part. The, the thing that hackers want to do the most a lot of times is to get data out of the system and into their control. But how do you do that, especially with systems that are air-gapped? This is an ingenious way to make that happen. Yeah. I don't know what the distance was he was getting. I watched the video of the POC. It was pretty mm -hmm. cool. So th there's a few things here we need to remember, which is why we don't have to worry about this. Yeah. Right? So first off, what Peter said, they, they have to physically get to the machine and plant some kind of malware on it. It doesn't have to be root-level access. It can run in user space because it's just generating access in memory. Uh, so they, they have to do that, right? The second thing is it's a one-way communication. 
these can send information they can't receive. So it can just straight up exfiltrate and that's it. It can't even verify that the exfiltration was successful. So if you were trying to exfiltrate a particular file, it would just have to keep resending that same file over and over and over again, uh, assuming that you caught it one of the times it transmitted. And then the third thing, uh, it has a very short range. Uh, I want to say they were operating in 30 feet of distance. It was pretty short. That's short. Uh, and it was only 100 bytes per second, not kilobytes or gigabytes or megabytes 100 bytes did, did you watch the video of them doing it mm -mm. so they they show you a video of they got one computer and they're like this is our air gap system it has no wireless communications or land communications at all here is our attack machine we run the program the malware and you can see the reset the receiving system on this just got a little wi-fi card plugged into it and it's just the word secret and it's like s <laughs> e wow See. Slow. <laughs> yeah, slow. it was super slow. I mean, it worked. It was cool. Yeah. But, yeah, it was super slow. And it'd be, it'd be really hard to detect this because it's just a weak Wi-Fi signal, although it might show up as like a rogue access point. Yeah, if you probably. see this Wi-Fi transmission, uh, you mentioned Pony Express earlier. They yeah. make those little boxes that detect rogue networks. It would detect this. Yeah. Uh, but also, it's generating activity on the air gap system. So somebody would would see the processes running on the air gap system did you see the other uh exfiltration techniques that this person so it was an israeli researcher apparently they are very smart <laughs> over there a university researcher he had like 15 other led it go like let it go exfiltrate data from air gap systems via a hard drives uh activity led yep. like there was one that actually defeats where was it defeats faraday cages oh wow yeah I was like, what the heck? The hard drive one was neat because they, they were saying you could compromise a webcam in the data center, and then the right. hard drive lights like, could be... Like a Morse code type of yeah. thing. Yeah. I saw the same thing. <laughs> you had cool. another one that they did the same thing with the network communication lights on a switch. I was like, these people are smart. Well, this... Uh, yeah, all those examples that they gave at the bottom of this article are links, so um, we'll make sure the link to this article is in the description on YouTube, and you can check those out because, yeah, those are a bunch of cool ways to exfiltrate data. But like we said at the beginning of this, um, Tom Cruise still has to repel yes. into the yep. room. He does. And put a... I do find it unusual that only Tom Cruise can do it, but that's that's the world we're yeah. in. Well, he's much smaller than the rest of his crew. Oh, good point. You know, can you imagine, was it Ving Rhymes trying to like... <laughs> <laughs> drop yeah. down the, you know, he's a good 260. All right, now pull me back up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need nope. you to pull me up. Well, the, the little guy from uh, Ocean's Eleven could do it too. Oh, yeah, he could have done yeah. it, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if he knows the coding and stuff. But again, the the problem still being that there was a USB port on an air gapped uh, <laughs> computer there. So that was dumb. All right. Well, I mentioned tinfoil hat and conspiracy before, but we do actually have a tinfoil hat segment uh, today. So let's go ahead and get to that. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? All right, and uh, those are all true. And this article <laughs> is from guitarworld.com. You're saying, why yeah. are we doing Guitar World? I was like, did Wes send this to me? Yeah, no, this, this is real. It says, uh, conspiracy theorists share schematic for 5G chip that they claim is implanted in the COVID-19 vaccines. Only it's actually for the boss metal zone. And, and uh, Daniel, I'll let you explain what the boss metal zone is for those that don't know, because you actually have one, right? Uh, yeah, I, I am a guitarist uh, in, as a hobbyist, and I have this pedal. And it just makes your guitar sound like Metallica or something. 
to that effect. Um, so it's like a distortion pedal? Yeah, it's uh, it's a very heavy distorted guitar tone in the metal zone. Hence the name Metal Zone. Mm-hmm. They're probably like picking that up there. I've heard of the Auto Zone. I hadn't heard of the Metal <laughs> yeah. Zone. Yeah. yeah, they don't overprice you on um, uh, car parts, <laughs> though. So it's nice to, for the Metal Zone. What's funny is I, I was telling Peter there's a, a a quote down here from somebody talking about the Metal Zone, saying, "This is a Boss MT2 Metal Zone, and trust me, that thing ain't curing anybody of anything except <laughs> maybe good tone." Uh, as a guitar player, I know that this. This that's a common misconception of this poor pedal. It gets a bad rap. It's actually a really good pedal. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I feel like they're not even trying anymore because, <laughs> you know, I, I, you could do a, a Google reverse image search and and come up with the schematic yeah. which is red, readily available online. So here's here's where things get a little bit scary, right? There, there's a lot of weird conspiracies that are out there right now. The five G one we've talked about multiple times. Um, people believe it. And uh, on a large scale, and you know, we just had this. So that uh, on Christmas there was a, a bombing in Nashville, mm-hmm. yes. and the person who who you know set off that bomb uh, had sent letters to various people, which they're just now getting because yeah, the postal service is super backed <laughs> up. Um, but they're they're just now getting. Mean, they call those weekdays, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and he espoused a, a number of different uh, conspiracies. One of which was that. Uh, lizard people in disguise have taken over leadership positions in the world, just like in the TV show so, V. So he has like a legit mental issue. I yeah. believe yeah. so, yes. However, I, I, this was the first time I had heard of the lizard people theory, although I, I did watch V. Uh, v was awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, at least the first season. Um, <laughs> once you had Star Child, the, then it was all The weird. remake was just not doing yeah, it. Yeah, remake. Yeah. Yeah. I think that only went like four episodes. Yeah, it was not good. Get back to the lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't heard this lizard people theory. And I'm like, well, I watched Land of the Lost as a kid. But what? Yeah, yeah. But uh, it turns out this is a, a theory that's been around for yeah. a while. Some some guy wrote a crazy book back in the 70s, and, and people think that it's real. Uh, and you can find numerous people talking about it. So these weird conspiracy theories, some people are just wired to believe them. And that makes the world a dangerous place. You know, the best advice you can give to somebody because I, I used to do this where you see something sensational like that and you just go, Oh wow. And then you start telling everybody like it was true because you read it in an article and then, you know, somebody would fact check me and go, Hey, I don't think that's actually right. And then you, you're wrong enough times you start going, maybe I should stop saying things like they're true when I don't know whether or not they're true. And you really do need to, no matter where you see it, where it comes from, trust, but verify that, it wasn't taken out of context. It wasn't put in a weird spin or that it didn't come out of somebody's butt. Yeah. That it's actually real and then go with that as information. Well, if there's one thing I learned from V is that you can easily tell if they're a lizard person by just ripping off their face. Oh, yeah. Oh, that all, okay. And there's going to be a, an yeah. awesome black market for eggs. <laughs> that's right. When you are wrong, it's embarrassing. I am so sorry to try to rip your face off. Like, that wow, that's hurt. a regular human skull. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not sorry. that we're we're not a legitimate news source here, but I, going back to the to the Nashville bombing, I, I understand he parked in front of the AT and T building there, which, um, you know, first of all, housed a lot of, of yes. communication systems, but it was basically because of a five G issue. That was a it was a very well targeted, well planned attack on IT infrastructure. Hmm. So you know there was a large unmarked telecom building right there in downtown Nashville. So this was AT&T's CEO for that area, their central office. And uh, he he knew exactly which side of the building had the chillers, the, the air conditioners. Wow. 
so that when the bomb set off, it destroyed the air conditioning, which means even if he didn't destroy the computers, they'd have to shut them off anyway because they'd overheat. So he effectively shut that down, and they lost 911 service and a huge amount of networking. He was obviously a very smart individual. He was an IT guy. Yeah. Um, and so he did the research. You know, there's a ton of people that work or walk by buildings every day and have no idea that they're huge data centers. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used to walk by one in Seattle. I, I knew it was a data center, but it was a, a large unmarked building, and it was yeah. a, a co-hosting facility. Uh, they don't come right out and call that because people yeah. can't attack them. Yeah. They, um, they don't want to go, you know, hit us here. <laughs> but this guy didn't just believe in the 5G stuff. He believed in the lizard people and a number of other things. Yeah. So he was, he was a little off his rocker and uh, constructed a bomb. Well, the, the good thing to come out of this, at least, uh, f about this conspiracy theory, is to now know that that chip um, or th whatever is oh, in yeah. that that pedal cures COVID. So, uh, Daniel, well, I'm safe. You're set. You have to safe. Wire that pedal in somehow to That's your body. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's just apparently I can get it injected into my arm. And again, this is uh, this is humor. Yeah. And conjecture, and <laughs> this is so, humor and conjecture. I yes, imagine. Remember to verify all the <laughs> yeah. quote unquote facts. This is that your we're first test. You. <laughs> Could you imagine? Because they, they say that it's like when you get the injection, the little chip is in the the serum or whatever that goes yeah, in your yeah. arm. So could you imagine they just bring out this giant needle because a pedal has <laughs> yeah, to fit yeah. through the... Oh, God. Even yeah. if it was like, they were talking about like op amps and stuff, like and anybody that does. So I obviously, uh, I'm into guitars and, and the gear that goes along with it. So I follow a lot of people that build custom pedals and stuff. So I was familiar with op amps and, and diodes and all the stuff that they use to create these pedals. I'm like, that's still a pretty big little, you know, you wouldn't want somebody <laughs> injecting that even into your arm. You see Daniel walking down the hall and his skin is stretched in the shape of a pedal. Yeah. <laughs> I got my COVID vaccine, man. I am good to go. If I see that, I am ripping off his face. Because <laughs> he's a lizard person. Yeah. And yeah. I'll sell you some eggs. God, this. I, I never know how to get it back uh, <laughs> from this point, but... Uh, it's hard to transition. I'll it is. My best. It is. All right. Speaking well, of eggs. <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought you had some. I was like, oh, thank God. Don, hey, I was helping you out. Don's got it. No, uh, <laughs> we do have a webinar coming up, a very fun one, actually. It's coming up on Thursday, January 14th. Uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with uh, Network Chuck, Chuck Keith from YouTube, uh, and Anthony Sequera will be hosting it with him. It is the top certs to get you started for the career changers of 2021. So if you're new to IT or, or thinking about making the move, um, this is a great uh, great webinar to kind of discuss what those entry points are because there's a lot of paths you can take, obviously, security, um, you know, sysadmin, stuff like that, and, and they're going to talk about all of them. So uh, that is Anthony and Network Chuck talking about that on Thursday, January 14th. If you head over to itpro.tv slash webinars, uh, you can find out all about that and sign up. And uh, while you're on the Internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado where you can uh, get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal plan for itpro.tv. You can also request a team trial and find out about all the great features available to teams uh, from, from itpro.tv. And that's, again, at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right. Well, thank you to Brett for joining us and gonna say you know, first show 2021 in the books and and it's already it's already better already it's better already than last better. year <laughs> it's it's gonna be huge yeah it's gonna be huge <laughs> yeah everyone's saying it so. beautiful beautiful right. amazing <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks everybody for watching and we'll see you next week right here on technado with don Pazette.